Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey everyone, I'm Jess. I'm Jen. Welcome to Fat Mascara. We are talking today to an amazing founder. Jen, tell us about Leah Hugh. Well, I'll tell you about her, but first I just want to point out, like we don't often have founders on, but the reason I really, I've been following Leah's career because I think it sort of has tracked and paralleled with a lot of the biggest stories in beauty culture that have come out over the last, I mean, like maybe the time period that you and I have been working on fat mascara, maybe over the last 10 years, actually. But like the rise of content creators, when creators pivot to become founders, the K-beauty wave, 
social media, navigating its up and down, clean beauty, sunscreen controversies. And Leah has built a business and her content creation before she built Crave Beauty, which she's the CEO of, that sort of has followed a lot of these parallels. And I think that she has a unique position to talk about them. And I just love what she's doing. Yeah, she's hit like every plot point, almost all of them except for like celebrity airbrushing or something. (laughs) She's really had like so many moments in all of these kind of beauty, pop culture-y conversations. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of them. So who is Leah Yu? Leah Yu is a content creator. She's a founder. She is the CEO of Crave Beauty. She also launched this is really cool Press Reset Ventures, so which is a venture capital fund and a studio that invests in early stage beauty companies that are all about sustainable innovation and inclusivity. As Jen said, she started Crave Beauty in 2017, and we're going to hear about how she built her brand. I'm so excited to talk to her, not just about a brand, but also about being a YouTuber, her content creation, where she grew up. Let's get into it with Leah Yu. Guys, we are so excited to have Leah Yu here. Let me just tell you, she's a pro. She came in with a fancy mic. She knew to clap. She's a content creator at heart. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Huge, huge, huge fan and an avid listener. To avid the listener. Seriously. Such an honor to be here. And our team freaking loves you both. Whenever you guys mention Crave Beauty or my name on your podcast, our team literally like screamed out loud when we were together. We had like a listening party and everything. So it's like a full circle moment to us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mutual admiration society, because our listeners definitely have heard us talk about you and Crave. And so we were like, we just have to have you on and find <laughs> out more. I feel like, well, we'll get to this. Like, you, you definitely have like an important brand right now in beauty. Like There is no parallel to your brand right now. And that's why it's very interesting. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. We'll get to it. Or Jen, yeah. Jen, Jen's going to kick it off with a question. Well, a Crave Beauty is a big part of you now, but I want to know Leah background a little bit more for people who don't know who you are with your big YouTube channel and everything, but you were brought up in Korea, right? You studied architecture. (laughs) You did your homework. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I was born and raised in Seoul, South Korea. And then I obviously went to college there. I had my first corporate job in South Korea as well in the biggest beauty conglomerate in South Korea. And In my undergrad, I did study interior design. I thought I would become an architect or a designer for sure. But in my senior year, I realized that uh, my passion has died down a lot for the design field. And then I was just looking around the entire world. And that was the time around like 2013 when the very first wave of K-pop was getting bigger globally and internationally. And that kind of interest has kind of trickled down to what skincare products are they using or like what makeup products are these like K-pop stars using because they look very glittery and glam and all that. So I think that's when I decided to start my own YouTube channel because I was living in Korea. I can speak English. So I started reviewing Korean beauty and skincare products on my YouTube channel. And then that led me to having a job in the beauty industry. So my only corporate job that I had was in Amore Pacific. So that was really fun. So I I was there for about two and a half years. After doing that, I transitioned to become a YouTuber full time. And 
My growth on YouTube was a very gradual and incremental thing. I do have like over a million subscribers now, but it wasn't one moment that just blew up the channel. So yeah, it was a very gradual thing. When you started your YouTube channel, was the audience, like what countries were the audience in? Mainly America. Yeah. It was United States. Okay. I was just curious about that. And so when you got this corporate job, did they know you were like a content creator on the side? So YouTube was a very foreign platform in Korea back then. So YouTube didn't come to Korea until like 2016, I want to say, or 2015. So we obviously have like our own Korean blogging platform that was really popular. But I didn't know that Koreans actually watch YouTube. So slowly but surely, people found out about my existence on the YouTube channel. Well, you were making a channel, so obviously people knew it existed. (laughs) Right? Yeah, so I think a lot of people found it very fascinating at the time because it is a very different type of content that no one was making in Korea. And fun fact, I was actually the very first Korea-based YouTuber because no one else was doing this. What was the video platform in South Korea at the time? We didn't have a video platform. It was mainly just written blog and pictures and all that, yeah. So... Amori Pacific slowly, how long were you there? Did you work there? Two and a half years. I mean, they fo- they must have found out that you knew what you're doing besides e-merchandising and e-tailing and whatever you were doing for them. What did you do for them? I wasn't under the digital department, so I was managing their entire e-com channel, like their own D2C, and it was a fun time. But all the brand marketers at one point, you know, Amore Pacific is huge. There's like over 30 or 40 brands, but all the brand marketers would come to me personally to gift products so that I can feature it on my YouTube channel on the time that I have over the weekend. So at one point it was getting a lot because I didn't sign up for that and I wasn't getting paid to feature their products or anything like that. So it was a hard, Mm -hmm. it was a hard political balance, I want to say. So when you decided to leave Amore Pacific, the corporate world, to become a content creator full-time, did you have a plan? (laughs) I didn't have a plan, to be honest. It's interesting because I don't think I ever publicly said this on a podcast channel, but I actually had another internal job offer at Amore Pacific. So I'm not sure if you guys remember that Michelle Fawn the OG beauty YouTuber. She was becoming the face of Lancome and she was a digital ambassador for the entire L'Oreal group. Mm -hmm. So that's something that Amore Pacific saw that we can probably have because Leah Yu is within our more Pacific employee. So they offered a very similar job. And I actually didn't think that I was capable of it, nor I was passionate about it. So (laughs) I actually turned that job down. And I think that was a moment where I felt like maybe it's time for me to do my own thing. So no, I did not have any plan. And I didn't make any money for the next like 365 days as a YouTuber, because that was also pre like influencer marketing era where nowadays a lot of creators can live with abundance. But back then, I don't think a lot of creators survived just by being a YouTuber or a creator. So it was an interesting time. So there's like a parallel universe where you are literally the head of the creative at Amore Pacific and creating videos all day long and still with them. I don't know why I made this about like a Spider-Man movie in my head, but I did. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. It's like choose your own adventure. And then I uh, made that decision. I think my life would be a little bit different. 
Well, you say that so many creators are making so much money. You could have been doing that, but I don't know. There weren't that many creators back then. Now there are so many. I don't, I don't know. What do you think about the creator economy now? It's pretty flooded. It's very oversaturated. And I think now I get discouraged from making more content because I always feel like I'm adding more to the noise. I'm not adding value because there's so many skincare creators out there. There's like their influencers, chemist influencers, which I really love and just love learning from. So I think now my positioning as a content creator, and I think this is not a unique feeling that I only have, which I know it's shared across a lot of other skincare creators. They feel like they're maybe adding to the noise and they're trying to refine like what their voice would be, what the value that we can offer would be in a refreshing way because you open the app of TikTok, you're like literally flooded by like 100 different content just screaming and shouting at you. And as a content consumer, it can be so overwhelming. And yeah, I think because of that, I'm just watching this space and observing like where everything goes. And I'm also trying to see like what I can uniquely offer in terms of perspective and voice on this madness. <laughs> it's funny when you, because you're talking about this uh, example of you being at Amore and being like potentially, if, if you had chosen another path, the face at that time of Amore, like Michelle Fawn, like at that time, she was like, look at our social media person. Look at this voice of authority. <laughs> look at this expert. And now it's like, if you picture this time lapse, it's just mushroomed and mushroomed and mushroomed. And you even look at the past year, it's mushroomed and mushroomed. You have to figure out what you're going to say. But your brand, as I said at the top, I really do think it says something different. I think you do actually said I wasn't being nice. I do think that you really don't have a parallel in the beauty industry. You started Crave in 2017 as a brand that has done something I think really tricky. Honestly, I think you had like big, if I can say this, like big balls to start a brand that is trying to make money, but you're also poking holes at the industry and pointing out problems. That's really tricky. What are those things that bothered you in the beginning? Like what were some of those problems that you wanted to address with your brand? That's a really good summary. And I'm so, wow, impressed that you kind of like saw through like us rolling up the middle finger in a very silent and a very quiet way <laughs> to the industry. Not a lot of people get but that. But it wasn't an aggressive way. Right. I would have to say it was a very gentle way of pointing things out without being like finger waggy. Like Absolutely. this industry sucks and you consumers are, you know, it was really gentle. So how did you do it and what problems were you trying to initially address? Yeah, I mean, I love the industry. I'm a beauty junkie first and foremost. So I care about this industry so much, which is why I want to make it a better place for the customers. So there are mainly two things where it's like, first of all, product development process never starts from how do we solve this customer pain point? Like, how should we solve this customer's skin? It always <laughs> starts from, okay, we have like 10 million of sales target to meet this year. We're at 2 million. Therefore, we need to launch like three more products to fill this gap. I mean, unfortunately, it is the easiest way to grow your top line revenue by launching new products. And that's a sad truth. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is... So that's a problem for you? 
That is problem for me and、okay. problem for the customers too because they're just being bombarded by so many products that are not made for them. It's made to sell more, so that's the very first product. The second one is a very fast fashion like. Product launch cycle, and I think we're increasingly seeing so many new product launches every single day, every single week. And I'm sure, as both of you guys are very familiar with the space, and you get probably a lot of mailers and PR boxes, you're probably very overwhelmed and just almost jaded because you have only one skin to try all these products, but、mm-hmm. you know, one brand is turning out so many new products just because they can. So I think. That fast product launch cycle was something that I wanted to definitely address. So those were the two main problems that I definitely wanted to tackle. Got it. So you talk about the product release cadence. You know, must push out more product, must push out more product. That's a tricky thing for you to tackle because that is sort of the foundation of how the beauty business works. You、mm-hmm. have to push out more product to sell more product.、Mm-hmm. If you're in certain stores. I'm imagining if it's how I understand retail, <laughs> the retailers want to know what else are you coming out with, so that you can sort of earn your keep with your buyers and your retailers. How are you managing this without looking like、mm-hmm. a lunatic? <laughs> <laughs> I think the beauty industry deserves more case studies where there、mm-hmm. is a brand that that successfully grew their top line revenue without. Expanding their product portfolio, right? I believe it exists, and, I, and yes, keep going. By the way, I'm on your side. Yes, <laughs> if there are more examples that can show the bigger conglomerates that are turning out unnecessary products, I would have to say I think the beauty industry will listen because at the end of the day, the most sustainable thing is to make less products. So that's one thing, and then I think the second thing is where the investors, like the beauty investors' headspace, is at, and how they align with each brand owner's vision. Because oftentimes it's not the founder or the executive team within the company that wants to launch so many products. It's often the times the shareholders that are like puppeting these brand executive teams to. Grow at all costs, and that can mean spending a lot of revenue back into paid socials. But it can also mean just churning out more and more and more products. So I think we have to change how the investors think about growth and the pace of growth too. And that's definitely a hard thing to do. And can I ask you a question? Since you've been like in the beauty industry grind, like as a brand founder, do this is not a leading question. Do these investors? Do they know about beauty? <laughs> There are some, but I think majority of them are not the consumers. That's yeah. That's what I mean. Like, are they the ones who are like living with and loving product? Because I, I have beauty products and I'll use them for years. Sorry, that's probably not like the good housekeeping rule of. <laughs> <laughs> How often you should throw out a product, but it's the amount, the rate of consumption is is really not at the pace of production.、Mm-hmm. I love what you're doing with the kind of slow beauty. What do you call it? You have a, like a name for it. You have a great name. Slow, slow down skincare. Slow down skincare.、Yes. Okay, it feels like it should come from like the ad council, not a brand <laughs> trying to make money. But for you, what is a problem besides that, which is something you're not going to tackle overnight? But what's another problem with 
the beauty industry that you're also trying to fix? Like what else is on your to-do list? There are so many to-do lists, but I think one thing, one problem that I don't think I can solve myself would be the recycling side of the beauty business. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with the whole infrastructural help and the policymakers involvement into advancing this entire recycling system in the United States. And I grew up in South Korea and South Korea's recycling system is very meticulous. And literally there's like a water bottle and, you know, it has a wrapper of the label around the water bottle they ask the consumers or the recyclers to detach and separate those labels in a separate bin and all the clear PET bottles go in one bin and all the colored plastics in, go into another bin. So it's like very thoroughly sorted. I think the U.S. is lacking in that where it doesn't educate the people on how to recycle. It doesn't want to talk about recycling system because it's quite honestly a big problem. So that's one thing I hope to solve with other beauty brands and also quite honestly, like bigger beauty companies as well by partnering with people in power, honestly. Do you, speaking of people in power and other beauty brands, do you have any allies that you want to shout out or any other brands that you feel like are doing? Because you you have such a, you're clearly a very values mission driven company. Not every brand is. For people who are listening who want to, who feel like, yeah, I like this brand, I like this girl, are there any other brands that have the same sort of spirit? Yes. So Charlotte Parler from Dew Skin, I think, is doing an amazing job. And also there's a lot of biotech companies within the ecosystem that are solving sustainability problems in their own unique way, starting with like raw material sourcing and changing mm -hmm. that entire process. So I think those are maybe some allies that I can really think of right now, top of my head. It's funny you brought up Do Skin because they do something that I wanted to talk to you about. They're very transparent about how their products get made, their supply chain, when issues come out. You have also started to be, well, you've from the beginning with Crave Beauty, you've been very transparent with consumers for better or worse about what's going on behind the scenes. Have you ever regretted filling people <laughs> in on how it really works? <laughs> this is a really good question. No one has asked me the downside of being transparent, but I think there is definitely a downside. But I can start with like, a good side, it basically is your customers and your community become the messenger of your brand. So what we noticed was that when we did our Waste Me Not pop-up in New York City last year, which was basically us kind of peeling the curtains behind the scenes and displaying all the production screw-ups that we had made mm -hmm. due to the global supply chain crisis and all that. So we were repurposing a very flopped and failed batch of our matcha hemp hydrogen cleanser into a body wash, which became a very limited edition. And I hope we don't need to make another <laughs> limited edition <laughs> body wash, to be honest. But when we opened that and communicated that very transparently to the customers of like, hey, we kind of screwed up. Like this is gallons and gallons and gallons of matcha cleanser that we can't honestly sell as a regular cleanser because the textural difference is so drastically different. So that said, when we communicated that, all the people who were standing in the line were bringing their friends 
like storytelling that to their friends. And these people are basically just spreading seeds to one another. And that just was such a gratifying moment for our entire team because we were honestly wanting to do something right. And I think it resonated in the best way possible. And then the downside of it <laughs> is people expect a lot more. And I think building up that expectation is not necessarily like a bad thing, but there was one time where we kind of revealed our product development process of making a mineral sunscreen. And with any sunscreen development, it comes with a very rigorous SPF testing. But as we all know, SPF testing can vary by lab to lab, by like who's participating in the test itself because it's done on humans. So we were showcasing that, hey, we made this prototype. We sent it to two different labs, lab A and lab B. One came out to be SPF 30, which we was aiming for, but another came out to be SPF 15. So I was making it a point that the SPF testing method itself is not perfect. You know, we have all gone through this entire history. And I think the comment feed, most of the comments were very positive about like us opening up, but there were some comments saying like, oh, basically you failed. So I think there are a lot of people who are very quick to judge and want to be more critical. And that's like a whole nother kind of gate that we opened ourselves. And yeah, that's something that we're trying to navigate, I guess. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus... 
They have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding. This was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good, whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence. Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. Okay, everyone... I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. How do you handle that as the founder? Because this is like you put your your life into this. This is your very cliche. It's your baby. It's your baby. (laughs) But it is your baby. Like this is your line. How do you feel when you get criticism, especially public criticism? I think I'm more immune to it than other founders because I've done content for so long. So I have dealt with negative comments. And I think that's been just something that comes with, I guess, gaining more popularity from your content, from your products. I think whenever I see more negative comments, I feel like I made it now that I have like a lot of lovers, but some haters that care so much to enough to spend their energy on typing that negative comment. But you actually feel like, I need clarity. You feel 
happy when you see negative comments? I'm not happy, but I cope very well. Did you always? Surely when you were like in Seoul in your early 20s, you weren't like psyched when you were getting negative comments, were you? No, 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 no. No one's psyched when they get a negative (laughs) comment, for sure. (laughs) It is what I feel, but I think I built that muscle enough to brush it off easily. (laughs) (laughs) What about you guys? How do you guys deal with, do you guys have any like criticism or negative comments? Of course. Yeah, I don't think it's like a cool day. Have you ever seen Apple Podcast reviews, Leah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like it's the same as anybody that's putting content out into the world. You have to expect that. Yeah. I try and do my best. And I think the two examples that you brought up, I do want to close the loop on one of them because I'm not sure if everybody knows the story of that body wash. You ended up selling it at a discount, if I'm correct, in a slightly different bottle as a face wash, was it? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it worked perfectly well as a face wash, thereby educating the customer about supply chain, about what the actual raw ingredients are in products. Like they learned so many lessons in that. And the fact that a lot of customers are open to that should be a lesson to, I think, other brands as well. The second one with the sunscreen, however, Mm -hmm. it's like they don't actually understand how SPF testing works. And I'm not putting, like, why should they? I have read the monograph from the FDA. It is a brain fuck, excuse my language. It is <laughs> That's a new one. I like that, a brain fuck. <laughs> there's, a, there's a panel of scientists that have given their opinion, and you can see in the government language that they don't want to like annoy any of the scientists, so they include all of the parameters. So it ends up being you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars as a company to get your SPF testing so that it can show all of the things that the government wants it to show, here in the United States at least. And you saying we got an SPF 15, correct me if I'm wrong, you could also mean you had like SPF 28, but you can only say 15. Like it could have been very, very close to what you wanted to label it, just not where the government needed it to be. So you want to educate and you're pushing the customer forward. But at a certain point, it's like, guys, do you even want to know this? Like, do you really want, do you want like (laughs) this much transparency? Because this is like, you need a a degree and 10 years of experience in the beauty industry to understand how this works. So my point just being like that education piece, which I think is so, it seems to be so important to you. And I've noticed in your content too, you've been more of like a professorial, a little bit educator has been the spin you're taking. Does that (laughs) come naturally to you? And do you think it benefits the company as well as the customer? Oh, that's a good question. I hope it benefits the company, but yeah, I hope so too. But naturally I'm very curious. I love digging deeper into things and I think my talent lies and my strength lies in breaking down very complex information in a very easily digestible way. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people come to my YouTube channel. So because I know the expectation is that, that makes me want to read like all these different SPF monograph on the FDA site or the ISO 2444, which is the SPF testing method in the granular detail so that I can convey and break down the complicated information. But to your point, Jen, I think customers actually don't need to know this much (laughs) at the end of the day. I struggle with that too. I hope they're just applying more sunscreen. They (laughs) then they actually, you know, think that is enough. So at the end of the day, yeah, it will matter to some people, but to majority, it might not be. But I hope with all the, I guess, like behind the scenes, like the waste issues that we are opening up and educating and really telling people can change how other businesses operate 
And it's been a very cool journey because ever since we did the Waste Me Not pop-up and the Waste Me Not campaign, a lot of other brand founders come to me and say, hey, like we also have this amount of excess inventory or like production screw-ups. Like how can we package this and communicate this? So I do see behind the scenes like people are more willing to talk about it because we started this conversation and they obviously saw that customers perceived it very well. And it's not something to be ashamed of if you're a business person and you have a lot of inventory or you have a lot of production screw-ups. I think we are living in an age where a lot of customers want to know that and would appreciate that level of information from companies. Like I just pictured in my head a sample sale. You know how like when a fashion company has a sample sale, like couldn't some of these raw materials suppliers and these like contract manufacturers all of you use do like the fire sale? <laughs> like, come on. I know they idea. couldn't put these proprietary formulas. Like if Dior messes up its body lotion, they're not going to want anybody to get their hands on it, mm-hmm. but it would be nice. Yeah. Leah, you mentioned the environmental impacts and something Jess and I are really interested in. I think a lot of our listeners are, and it feels so daunting. And you have so much guilt when you buy beauty products. We love beauty products. I want to try new things. What do you tell people who have that guilt as well and want to try and be more conscious of their environmental footprint? Like keep it a little bit smaller. What are like the most important things to look for when you're looking at buying beauty products? (sighs) Tough question. That is a tough question. I always encourage my followers to just commit to the skincare product that they purchased. So there's a rule of one empty, one newbie. <laughs> That's, it sounds like it's really obvious, but it's absolutely not. I have like bottles of half-filled things. I get it. Yeah. So you can only buy a new product or new skincare product only if you hit the bottom of another skincare product that you're using. So I think that's a good rule to stick to. And I think when you're also ordering a lot, let's say from Amazon or from these e-com sites, just being mindful of grouping all the products in just one order so that... You don't have a million Amazon packages coming to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another carbon footprint, you know, carbon emission. So I think those two things that comes to my mind... And if a brand is claiming to be natural, I would question like how they are sourcing those natural ingredients. It's funny you bring up sourcing because that is something I wanted to ask you about. I know you work hard on your sourcing for Crave Beauty. Are there ingredients that you think you were surprised to find had such a big environmental impact? And what were they? There were so many. (laughs) I think mostly essential oils and a lot of fragrance ingredients. And it's really hard because fragrance is, it doesn't disclose individual ingredients, right? It's just labeled as fragrance on the ingredient list. So customers can't really know what it actually contains, whether it contains exactly a rose oil, citrus oil, or sandalwood and all that. But rose oil When I learned that it takes 252,000 petals to make a five milliliter vial of rose oil, and if everyone is using rose oil in the industry, like we would have no land that's left for food, agriculture, (laughs) and harvesting. And I think sandalwood has another issue of overexploiting the land use and really taking over cultural lands that were kept to indigenous people in Mm -hmm. the regions. So that's becoming 
a big issue that I'm starting to learn about where I was really shocked too. And I think when people think about roses and sandalwood, like they have this very beautiful perception of nature. But I think people don't often know that it might be impacting quite hugely in really damaging the entire environment, deforestation and biodiversity loss and all that. So those were the ones that were really alarming when I first learned. And you, I know you talked to me, you said you use Tammany oil in some of your products now. What's the story with that? Is that an easy to grow crop? Yeah, it's relatively easy to grow crop. I think the issue that we had with Tamano oil is so to go from the top, tamano oil is used in our grape barrier leaf, and it has been. We use 10% of tamano oil, and we sold about like a million grape barrier relief units, which is quite significant amount. So that becomes like, I think, almost 5,000 liters or more of tamano oil. We supplied it from a distributor that gets their tamano oil from Madagascar originally. And I think Madagascar is known for having very unethical labor practices and forced labor issues. So I honestly don't know what actually happened with our original supplier of tamano oil. Our distributor one day said to us that, hey, we can't source any tamano oil from this region anymore. So I think that's when I started digging into what are the labor practices around like deshelling and harvesting and growing to tamano nuts and tamano trees. And that led me into, led us into partnering with a third party organization, which works with a lot of local grassroots organizations for environmental solutions to invest in a land in Indonesia and also to increase wages for the women harvesters who's basically just picking the tamano tree and you also need to dry it and then you have to deshell it in order to obtain the nut in order to extract and press and extract it. So we learned about the entire chain of process of how the tamano oil is sourced and grown and gets into our product. And once you know that, you have to do something about it to make it better. So that's what we basically did. And we invested a ton of efforts and also a lot of money into that project. And I think it was a very good example that us ourselves learned that we want to replicate that model to other products that we currently have. So to go backwards and look through the supply chain and be like, okay, here's another place where if we supported from the ground up the growers and the suppliers, it's going to make everything better for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, we try our best to vet all the sources, but there's always a middleman. There's a distributor who connects all the farms. And I want to go directly to the farm to exactly know if I'm sourcing cacao, which has a lot of child labor issue in Africa, it's not using child labor first and foremost. And I think those are the things that you can't really see through if you always have a middleman. And I hope the distributors that we're working with are as honest as they could be, but sometimes their best interest is to sell the ingredients to us. Therefore, they might not even know like the entire granular details of what we want to know. I mean, you have the luck too of selling a million of something allows you to do that. Just people listening are like, well, why don't all brands do this? It's also when you're a small indie brand and you're only moving like 200 of an item, you can't always do this or else 
you're literally in red because the thing costs more to make than you could ever sell it for. But I think it's so cool that you've grown your company large enough that you are able to do some of this. Yeah. It's a very eye-opening experience. Entire like sourcing process was very fun to learn, but also very frustrating to learn that there's so much unethical labor practices that are involved. So you're still a content creator talking about your skincare line, but also educating people, but you're also a CEO. Which one do you feel more comfortable in? Which role? Content creator. Says the woman who just told us about moving her entire production to another country and starting from ground up. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Why? As I said, I love breaking down like very hard to understand information into the most easily digestible one. And I think that's almost my purpose on the internet. And of course you can do that with products. And I think company can have like another better leader to operate Instead of me, to be honest, but... That was my next question. (laughs) Why don't you, uh, I guess maybe in time, maybe you can be just the face. Creative director or founder? There, I mean, there's always been a succession planning within the company. So I'm slowly like raising up the leaders in the company so that they can eventually replace me. So definitely in the works. Yes. Okay. I'm not tied to the CEO title at all. Okay. That's really impressive and humble. And I think it's important. What sort of feedback are you getting from your peers in the industry about everything you're doing? By everything that's pretty broad, but can you give (laughs) us, can you give us feedback that you've gotten from your peers in the industry? Cause you are definitely making some waves. Oh, thank you. Uh, I don't know about like how the big brands think about us, like the L'Oreal's and Estee Lauder's in the entire world thinks about us. But I do think that within the indie brand founder cohort space that we're like literally sticking together to make a bigger voice. So that's why I talk to Charlotte a lot from Skin. I talk to Lisa a lot from Experiment and Priscilla from CocoKind. I think the new generation of founders have the gravitas, hopefully, <laughs> to be able to be heard by the bigger conglomerate companies to change their practice, to whether that be more sustainable, whether that be slowing down the skincare industry. So the feedback from the founder side of the things have been very positive. And as I shared before, like when they had production screw-ups, they messaged me immediately. And there were, I think, five different brands that actually came to us that have opened their like warehouse to their customers and have seen like great results with that too. I did. We barely talked about Crave Beauty products, but I'm like, I know your skin has changed so much because I've watched your videos through the years. So I'm curious now what you use on your skin every day. I'm a minimalist. So I use... This tracks. This tracks with your ethos of your company. (laughs) So I get it. (laughs) Uh, When I'm I'm wearing sunscreen or makeup, I definitely start with our Makeup Rewind to remove all the makeup and then Matcha and Pyridin Cleanser to follow up as a second cleanse. But I only use that for like 20 seconds to make sure that my skin barrier is not damaged. And then follow up with either moisturizer Oatso Simple Water Cream is a very lightweight one. So now that it's coming into winter, I'm using a thicker moisturizer from a Korean brand called Estera. It's a derm brand that is actually owned by Amore Pacific, staying loyal. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm using that cream for my skin barrier. Yeah, that's about it, I think. 
What about makeup wise? What do you use? Oh, from time to time, I would use like oil law or a great barrier leaf in between. Makeup wise, what are you guys into right now? I see your red lipstick, Jen. Oh, this is that Lisa Eldridge one, the velvet <gasps> ones. We, oh. Jess and I have been obsessed with her line that, you know, it's Vel- finally available velvet in the too. Oh, also yours velvet. too? Oh, you're wearing it also, Jess. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, both of the colors are very pretty. Thank you. I love Lisa's entire YouTube channel. I grew up with that. It's so good. Right? Yes. She's so soothing. So we're developing a lip tint for next year and we're using fully renewable feedstock so basically a lot of synthetic ingredients in the beauty industry comes from crude oil like petroleum crude oil and that's where they feed like the chemical process to start stuff to make stuff but we wanted to make it fully renewable and also with upcycled ingredients as well so we've been trialing a lot of different formulas with a lot of different ingredients so we finally landed on something that I really enjoyed. This word feedstock that you just said, you meant like as the base that the formula goes into? That's where the entire chemical process starts, yeah. If you're like fermenting something or just for any synthetic ingredient? For any. Okay. That's what I, I thought you were talking about, but I wasn't sure. So like when you see the chemical name and you know it happened in a lab, the very first ingredient that like was then yeah. processed to turn into that is what you're trying to change. Exactly. Fragrance... Because I went down the rabbit hole of learning about how environmentally (laughs) destructive a lot of fragrance ingredients can be. So there's this new biotech fragrance brand called Future Society. And what they... You know what it is? Jess has covered it in her new segment here on (gasps) Fat Mascara. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So you definitely know the drill. And I, I really appreciated that they're not using natural resources to harvest and grow these materials, which are very land intensive most of the times. And they're basically making, creating beautiful extinct flower scents that I've never smelled before, but I've been really enjoying Future Society. I have this exact same sampler (laughs) set as Jess's. So I've been really enjoying that. Very cool. We cannot let you leave without doing the FM5 lightning round. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. What is the first beauty product you ever fell in love with? Holika Holika Jelly BB Cream. Oh, <laughs> What is it? It's a Korean brand, and it's this very cool, like, souffle-textured BB cream that was in a very cute cloud jar. I'm not sure if they still make it, but that was my gateway into Korean beauty. Well, I'm going to Google image that later because it sounds really cute. Holika Holika? Holika Holika Jelly BB Cream. Okay. Jelly BB Cream. Wow. That sounds really cute. Okay. (laughs) What is the last thing that you paid for, even if it was like breakfast today? Like like it could just, you know, I don't care if it was a toilet bowl cleaner. What was it? (laughs) Oh, I got my laser hair removal today. (laughs) Big ticket, big ticket item. Okay. This is, um, it's, I'm glad. That's a good one. I've changed from waxing to laser hair re- removal. It was life-changing. So that, it was my third session today. So where do you go? There's a laser hair bar on the 32nd Street near Macy's. In New York City. Okay, got it. Now, it's 11 a.m. on your day off. What are you doing? Probably watching Netflix. Yeah. 
any show that you're into right now? I just finished Selling Sunset. It was such a fun <laughs> show to watch. My eyes were just glued the entire time. I haven't seen the new season. One day I'll get there. Yeah. You're not going to believe this, guys. I <laughs> am watching it with Eric. You like Me, it? Who doesn't watch Real Housewives or anything. Oh. I got sucked. Do you <laughs> like the outfits? Outfits are I am, fire. It is camp. It is high camp. It is genius <laughs> camp. I don't even care what they're talking about because they're just give the people what they want. It's just so I like over Jason. the top. Oh. oh, oh, we call him Bezos One and Bezos Two. Are those the guys that run the Oppenheim <laughs> yeah. group? Yeah, little Bezos is what Eric calls them. Little Bezos. I don't think they're evil. I think no, they're not like, at all. But they're, they're like, like nice guys. They're like nice guys. No, they seem like they're smart business people, but. They do kind of look like little Bezoses. Okay, moving on. Oh, moving on. I think they're sweet. <laughs> okay. FM number four, uh, go. Okay, favorite snack. It's going to be something savory chips. Sun chip, potato chips. Sun chips. I haven't heard of those in a while. I know. Remember they were like so big for a while? Sun chip. I got to bring that back. The French onion. That was like the only flavor they ever had. <laughs> sun chip. No, there's like four flavors. I need to get back into sun chips, clearly. <laughs> All right. And then what do you need to do in order to get a good night's sleep? <laughs> take melatonin. I take a lot of melatonin, actually. This is the radical transparency we expected yeah. from you, Leah, for this whole Radical transparency. What? That's what Crave Beauty kind of is about. And so I was like, is she going to be as honest as she seems in her customer react like interactions? You know what I mean? <laughs> Some people can be putting on a show even as a founder. And I know that's part of the business, but I'm not surprised that you're very much what I expected you to be, which well, is very she, she transparent. Wasn't like, I take hard drugs to fall asleep. Well, we learned about a laser <laughs> a hair removal. <laughs> yes. You know, we asked you some questions that like really were curious about your business. And I really appreciate you opening up because I think it helps everybody learn, including our listeners. Thank you. Thank you you're so much, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this show. It was <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe like and to subscribe. Fat Mascara. Leave a review on <laughs> Apple. Only positive ones. Only five stars. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.